in that video of <laughs> Billy or seeing my son Christopher in a suit. So uh, anyway, um, good morning. Welcome to Coastal. Glad you're here with us today. I am Pastor Chris. Uh, today we're kicking off a new series called uh, Happily Ever After uh, with a question mark. Um, it's a series all about relationships. You know, uh, is the fairy tale uh, possible? Uh, did you know uh, that February is actually the number one uh, month for divorce? Uh, in our country today, of, of all the months of the year, it's February. You know, think about that for a second. Why February? Well, uh, you know, I can think of a couple of reasons why I have something to do with it. Uh, it is the coldest month of the year. It's one of the darkest uh, months of the year. And then there's that one holiday right there in the middle, you know, that puts so much pressure on relationships that most guys never get right, which is what? Valentine's Day, right, man. Uh, Valentine. By the way, I I noticed this, uh, you know, back a couple several weeks ago, that Valentine's Day cards for married couples are the worst. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. They, they are they are terrible. I mean, in my mind, you know, I'm, I'm flipping through the cards, you know, and and they just assume that most guys really suck at being a husband. I mean, because you read the cards and they all, they all start like this, you know, even though I never tell you how much I love you. Um, you know, that, that's a real popular one. Or, or, you know, even though I never fully appreciate you. Or, or, or this, even though it's been rough. You know, I'm, I'm now spending the six seventy five on this overpriced card from Walmart to make everything better. You know, probably uh, the best relationship advice I could give somebody today would be to do the exact opposite of whatever you see in a Walmart, you know, Hallmark card. Maybe I, th- I think you'll be okay. Um, uh, but I am excited. I'm excited about this new series uh, that we're in uh, beginning today because I actually love talking to people about relationships. I do. I, I, you know, if there's an area in our lives today uh, that we have the sense of commonality with everyone, whether you're a believer or, or not, uh, whether you're a seeker, whether you've been in the church for a long time, grew up in the church, or you've never darkened the door of a church, this is something we all have in common with everybody that we need help with. We need help with our relationships. And I actually believe, it's my opinion, that of all the places, you know, the church ought to be a safe place. Uh, where we can come and talk about uh, relationships and sex and dating and marriage. This ought to be the place because all those things were God's idea. And uh, you were, obviously most of you were probably in the first service last week. And I don't know what, what got a hold of me. But uh, anyway, the second service, I stood up and I said, Hey, everybody, I hope you all had a uh, one, because last week, you know, it was February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. And I said, Hey, hope everybody had a great uh, Valentine's Day. If you're married, I hope you had sex. If, you, if you're not, I hope you didn't. So um, <laughs> anyway, after the second service, David Schmidt came out. He goes, ah, that's so funny, Pastor Chris. That was so funny. And, and uh, I said, Yeah, I guess it's kind of biblical too, you know. So uh, he said, Yeah. And I said, so, so it was elder approved. So anyway, um, but, but I am, I'm excited about this series because um, I believe that over the next few weeks, what I, what I think is going to happen is that we're going to see some marriages uh, restored and some relationships rekindled. You know, the, the reality is, you know, we don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on in your home and your life and, uh, you know, all the details of your marriage. And there probably are some folks here today uh, that are hurting a little bit. And um, I hope that you're going to find some hope and help 
uh, to cope with some of the relationship pressures that you're facing and that you're dealing with. And most importantly, um, I believe that people are going to find Jesus during this series, even during a relationship series, because here at Coastal, we are always pointing people to him. Uh, so I'm glad you're here with us at the beginning of this new series. Uh, my, my challenge to you is this. Why not make a commitment now uh, to come to the entire series? You know, right now at the beginning of this series, say, you know what? For the next five weeks, I'm going to be here. And I'm going to do my part to make an investment in our relationships. And I would also challenge you to invite somebody to come with you. Because, again, if there's, you know, there's something that we all have in common with, with one another today, it's relationship help. Uh, Psalm 144, verse 7. It's a, it's a great uh, prayer, and, and I think it's a prayer of rescue. And uh, maybe you've had times in your relationships where you've offered up some sort of prayer like this. And it might seem like a, like a desperate prayer, but it's a prayer nonetheless. It says this, reach down from heaven and rescue me. Anybody ever pray that before? You know, in a relationship, deliver me from deep waters. Maybe that's how you felt. You know, you felt like, man, you are, you know, you're in the water and it's coming up and it's getting overwhelming. We have all been there. Everybody, no matter how old, how long you've been in a relationship, how short, how long, uh, we've all experienced that. Now, and again, maybe sometime in your life you've actually prayed a prayer like this. God, reach down and deliver me. You know, take away this relationship pain. Reach down and restore this marriage. God, reach down and, you know, take away the loneliness. Deliver me. Give me hope. Well, so again, today, what we're going to do uh, in this series is today we're going to look at some of the basic principles of a relationship that I think we should all know and, uh, and apply, uh, especially if we're in the middle of a relational storm. So today, you know, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're single again, this applies to all of us. Uh, we, we are, again, we're calling this series Happily Ever After uh, with a question mark. In other words, is, you know, a fairy tale relationship, is it even possible today? You know, and the reality is maybe the, the better question is, is that what we should be striving for in the first place? You know, a fairy tale. Can true love last forever? Now, most great fairy tale stories begin with this line. Once upon a time in a far, far away land. Very good. Now, well, you can't get any more far away uh, than the book of Genesis and the creation story. Now, we happen to believe here at Coastal, this is not a fairy tale. Uh, it's a real story about a real couple, uh, real people, and God creating the world. But I want to begin today, you know, I figured, you know, if we're going to begin a relationship series, let's go all the way back, all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the very first couple. And uh, let me give you a little bit of context of what's going on, because we're gonna, today we're going to look at chapter 3. Uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, especially if you've, you know, if you've been reading through the Bible with us, I know you read through all this, uh, God was busy creating the universe, the world, and everything in it. And uh, just as God has created the world, he has now created what he considers to be the highest of all of his creation, man. But, but then there's a problem. And this is the only time in creation that God says there's a problem. Uh, he says, Genesis 2, 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be what? 
to be alone. Now, so right from the beginning, we, we understand that you and I were created for relationships. And we talk about that all the time, especially because that's one of our core values here at Coastal, being in community, being doing life together. So we were created for relationships. Now, I don't know whether or not it's God's will for you to be married or not, but I do know this. It is God's will for you to live in community with other people, to have relationships, uh, to have friends, to do life with people, you know, not to be alone. So God solves the problem and he says, I will make a companion who will help him. And then God creates this wonderful, beautiful creature called what? Eve, woman. Whoa, man. Okay, so, and this, this launches... Uh, however, this launches a whole series of events in this relationship between Adam and Eve. And then things get real messy. Now, if you've ever been in a relationship before, you know that any time a man and a woman get together, things can get what? Messy. Because relationships are messy. Now, as messy as relationships are, listen to me for a second. Sometimes... That's a part of God's plan for your life. Hear that loud and clear. Sometimes the messiness of relationships is actually a part of God's plan. And he'll use that, if you let him, to do things like develop your character, to grow you up a little bit spiritually, and to help you to become all that God created you to be in the first place. So... We're going to take a look at some of the messiness that happened in this relationship, this original couple in Genesis chapter 3. And what I'm going to try to do today is just pull out three really simple, practical truths or principles that I think that can help all of us and all of our relationships. Truth number one, here it is. I can expect problems in my relationships. I can expect problems in my relationships. I mean, this really goes back to this whole idea of, you know, happily ever after, you know, is the fairy tale possible? I mean, the reality is sometimes people go into relationships having no idea that problems are even a part of it. But problems are a part of any relationship, whether you're talking about marriage or a dating relationship or even friendships. It's normal. Now, There's a whole new level, though, of problems when you talk about issues between men and women. I mean, we really are from different planets, aren't we? I mean, we really, really are. Not only are there obvious physical differences, but men and women think differently. We communicate differently. We process things differently. We have this whole, you know, different set of core needs. And, And then add to that, you know, both individual family issues, you know, your past. And then on top of that, you know, that, you know, at our core, both individuals are basically sinful, selfish people. I mean, you add all that up, and it really is an amazing miracle of God that you can actually function with somebody of the opposite sex. And then as a result of all those you know, core differences and, and, and issues, problems arise. Now, you would think that people would get that. Quite the contrary. You know, what I found in, in my dealing with people, in my counseling, and being a pastor for, you know, 25 years and, 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 and dealing with people as they struggle in relationships, what I found is that people 
have been raised in a family where the goal was to make everybody happy. And then, on top of that, there were all these unrealistic expectations for relationships, and they've never actually seen people engage in healthy conflict resolution, that when problems come, man, they don't know what to do. And many, many couples bail out at the very first sign of trouble. Now, I know you might be sitting here this morning going, okay, well, so what are you saying, Pastor Chris? Are you telling me that I need to lower my expectations, you know, when it comes to my relationships? Well, maybe. I mean, maybe if they're unrealistic. If your, you know, expectations for relationships come from fairy tales, romance novels, movies, television, pornography. Now, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I do believe that we ought to have high expectations in relationships for the people that we're going to spend the rest of our lives with, but they should be realistic. You know, instead of looking for the perfect relationship and always trying to fix the other person, you actually should start by fixing yourself. You know, problems in a relationship can actually be good if you learn how to grow through them and become stronger on the other side. Now, I want you to see what happens to Adam and Eve when the serpent begins to wreak turmoil in this relationship, okay? We're going we're gonna to check out basically Genesis chapter 3. Follow along, verses 1 through 5. Now, <clears throat> The serpent was really, was, was the shrewdest of all the creatures that the Lord God had made. Really, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit, any of the fruit in the garden? Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit of the tree in the center of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. You won't die, the serpent hissed. God knows your eyes will be open when you eat it. And you will become just like God, knowing everything, both good and evil. Now, notice right off the bat that the serpent promises way more than he can deliver. Now, God did say uh, that they should not eat from this particular tree, but God never promised you know, all of what he's saying. And so the serpent, right off the bat, he tempts Eve with this over-exaggerated claim. So Eve eats... She gives some to Adam. Adam eats. And at that moment, the Bible tells us that their eyes were open. They felt shame. And they tried to what? Hide from God. Now, obviously, there's an awful lot going on here theologically. But I want you today, just look at the serpent from a different angle. Okay? Look at the serpent as a source of external pressure on this relationship. Now, there are all kinds of external pressures on relationships today. Would you agree with that? All kinds of external pressures. I mean, some of those pressures come from other people, you know, from family, from friends. Uh, there are sexual pressures. Sometimes pressure comes in the form of temptation. But external pressures are very, very real. And just like the serpent in the Garden of Eden, all external forces today promise more than they can deliver it is never as good as you think it is never as good as it appears listen the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence 
The grass is greener where you what? Where you water it. Okay? It never delivers. Now, let's talk just about one particular area today, the area of sex. Now, it's clearly taught in the Bible that God's plan for sex and sexual fulfillment is one man, one woman, for a lifetime in the context of marriage. That's it. I mean, plain and simple. But every time we teach that, there are always people that like to argue, man, Pastor Chris, that sounds outdated. That sounds Victorian. That sounds old. That sounds old school. I mean, you know, the idea in today's culture that anybody, first of all, should wait until marriage sounds ludicrous, and then remain faithful in marriage today for life. I mean, it almost sounds silly to a lot of people today. But listen to me, study after study after study has actually shown that what God says about sexual fulfillment is actually true. Did you know that there are studies that show that the couples who wait until marriage experience greater sexual fulfillment in marriage, have greater levels of happiness, and get this, you ready for this? Even less likely to experience divorce than couples who don't wait. But people like to argue about this. I've even heard, you might have heard this, and you might have even said this. Well, I wouldn't buy a what? Car without first taking it for a test drive. You carnal son of a... I mean, how in the world? I mean, seriously? Seriously. I mean, listen up to me. First of all, your future spouse is not a car. You know, okay, but hold on for a second. I mean, let's serious. Let's, let's take your little stupid, asinine illustration. I'm saying that as lovingly as I can. And let me, let me give you a little pushback today, okay? Now, I don't know a lot about cars, but I know this. As soon as you take it off the lot, what happens? It decreases in value, okay? And let me ask you a question. I mean, let's, let's follow this little illustration along, along the way. I mean, do you want a car, a new car, or do you want one with high mileage? I mean, like, I mean, it's just stupid when I hear people say things like this. But listen to me. The bottom line is this. Sex is not just something that's, that's physical. You know, it's, it's not a bodily function. You're not an animal. You know, you you are way too valuable to actually give yourself away casually. The the reality is, you know what God comes and does? He elevates the value of your body. He elevates sexual activity. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you and me. He he paid for our bodies with the death of his son Jesus. So so what you and I do with our body in, in any atmosphere, in any realm, it actually matters to God. You know, don't, don't settle for anything less than God's best. And then these young couples today want to play married. But the problem with that is, guess what? They're playing married without the commitment. And then they go into a relationship and they take those same thoughts and those same ideas because they were actually playing married beforehand without the commitment. And then it's inside their head that, well, maybe we don't still have to have that strong of a commitment. And then they start playing married way before, you know, they are married. And what happens is that, they stop working on the relationship and they just fall into patterns of an old married couple. Listen, when you make a commitment to God's best, there's always going to be all kinds of external pressures. And not just sex, but adultery, pornography. 
you know, like just all kinds of pressures. But like anything else apart from God's perfect plan for you and I, they always promise more than they deliver. Just like the snake in the garden. You know, the serpent says, oh, come on, it's not going to hurt you. Listen, there are always consequences. And problems come in even the strongest of relationships that are committed to God. The question is, how are you going to respond to those problems? You know, are you going to let those problems defeat you? Are you going to let those problems, you know, be a wedge? Are you, or are you going to let those problems teach you and draw you closer together? Because what is love? Love is a choice. It's a commitment. It's not sex. You know, it's not feelings. It is a decision to treat someone a certain way, to treat them the way you want to be treated. Listen to this. Regardless of how you feel. And many times, regardless of how they respond. And if this person and that person want to do that to one another, man, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Number two, I must accept responsibility for my relationship problems. i got to accept responsibility for my relationship problems. When problems come into your relationship, and again, they will. You know what the first thing we typically tend to do? We blame. We blame someone. We blame someone else. We blame something else. And what I'm saying is that if a relationship is actually going to grow through this problem and get on the other side, we've got to be honest and own up to the fact that many of our relationship problems happen to be our own fault. Now, I want to be clear here. I, yes, there are external pressures that, that weigh on a relationship. And, you know, there, there is the, the pressure to conform to the world standards and do things the way the world does it. There, there is the pressure to give in to temptation. But listen to me. At the end of the day, external pressures are only that. They're only pressures. You and I still have the freedom to choose. And the Bible clearly teaches that there is always a way out. That God is right there. You know, but we live in this day where nobody wants to take responsibility. And so many times I'll meet with a couple and the only thing they want to do is start the blame game. They just want to blame one another. Well, if that's where they're at, we're not going to get to the point of healing and reconciliation and, and, and problem solving because they're still pointing fingers. You know, that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. Genesis uh, 3, 12 and 13. When God confronts them, yes, Adam admitted, but it was who? The woman you gave me wow who brought me the fruit and i ate it so not only does he blame the woman but he actually blamed who god god this is your fault you brought us together you gave me her you know then verse 13 then the lord asked the woman how could you do such a thing well the serpent tricked me the devil made me do it right that's why i ate it so Adam blamed the woman, he blamed God, the woman blames the serpent. It's just this vicious circle or cycle of blame. And, and, and that's what we see today. Everybody likes to pass the buck. I mean, nobody likes to take responsibility. And then when problems come, it's easy to point the finger, you know, it's somebody else's fault. But listen, somebody's got to get off that, that train and ask the hard question. What's my responsibility in this? And then, hey... Could God use this problem to grow our relationship, to grow my character? You see, because that's what marriage is many times. It's a character builder. Have you ever noticed that 
The person who has never been, in time, never been on time in their life will marry the person who considers on time being 10 minutes early. And, and got to put those two people together. You know, and, and before you're married, it's like, wow, he's, he's, he's so laid back, easygoing. And then when they're married, he is a lazy son of a biscuit eater. I mean, like, what, what, who is this freak? You know, why is it, this, this, this is another one, why is it that a neat freak, a neat freak, you know, OCD, okay, will marry the person who uses the floor as their personal closet, okay? And, and that happens, doesn't it? You know, God uses relationships, though, to grow us up, you know, to make us into the people he wants us to be. You know, when, when you climb the mountain of difficulty together, I love how the, the Hybels describe it, Billy Lynn Hybels in a book, Fit to be Tied, they call it the tunnel of chaos, and you get to the other side. Listen, that's where intimacy is, is found. That's where security is found. It's not found on this side of the problem. It's not found on this side of the tunnel or of the mountain. It's, it's found when you make the decision and the choice to go through this together. And so when problems come into your relationship, and they will, stop looking for the easy way out. You know, don't, don't look to place blame. If at all possible, take responsibility to take a look at the relationship and, and how are we going to make this work. You know, that's the key. You know, because if, there is no, if there's no escape clause, listen to me, if there's no escape clause, you only got a couple of options. One is murder and go to jail, okay? And the other is to work it out. Figure it out. Make it work. Which leads me to truth number three. I must invite God to be the center of this relationship. Now, honestly, this really is the big truth that I want to leave you with today. That, that you can't take God out of your relationship. Now, let me, let me say this, though, really clear. I want to be really clear here to, to single adults. If you're in a relationship, and wow, there's a lot of problems, and it's taking a lot of work and a lot of effort, and you don't seem to be able to put God at the center of things, get out and get out now. You know, you, you still have an escape clause. And if both couples, if both people in this relationship on the front end aren't willing to say, I'll, I'm willing to do whatever it takes when problems arise to work through this together and there is no escape clause, then what do you think is going to happen when you get married if you're not willing to do it now? So put God at the center. You see, there is this myth. Here's the myth in marriages today that, well, and, and, and again, this is kind of the fairy tale myth. Well, if, if we'll just love each other enough, then the relationship will succeed. Now, there is some truth to that if you really understand what true love is, that it's not an emotion, that it's not just sex, that's way more than that. It's a choice and a commitment. However, it's still only part of the formula. Because, again, if true love is choosing to treat somebody the way you want to be treated, regardless of how you feel and regardless of how they respond, wow. Where? You tell me where you are going to get the power to do that when problems come. Oh, we'll have children. That'll make it better. Are you stupid? You think? Oh, my gosh. Listen. 
love, your love, my love, human love, it runs out. It gets tired. I mean, that's just the truth. That's the reality. So for a relationship to really succeed, to be all that it could be, not only must two people be committed to each other, but they need a power not their own. They've got to have a strength from another source. And I believe that's where God comes in. And I believe that's a choice that you and I can make, the choice to invite God to be at the center of our relationships. In fact, the rest of Genesis chapter 3 really is all about consequences. And they are serious. But there's also hope here. Look at verses 14 through 15. But the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you will be punished. You are singled out from all the domestic and wild animals of the whole earth to be cursed. You will grovel in the dust as long as you live, crawling along on your belly. From now on, you and the woman will be enemies, and your offspring and her offspring will be enemies. Now here's the hope. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now this is actually a prophecy. You know, God's saying, Adam and Eve, because you messed up in the garden, you're going to be cast out. And, uh, man, you're going to go through some really, really tough stuff. But there's going to come a Savior. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is going to come. And you know what he's going to do? He's actually going to crush the head of the serpent. So even though the consequences are grave, there's going to be a period of time where Satan's going to think he's won. There is hope for relationships. You're still going to have the opportunity to experience community. You're still going to have community. You're going to have the potential to have that with me and with one another. And so I want you to see that even though there are serious consequences, even here for their sin and their rebellion, God is providing hope. And I want you to see that today. Even though you might be up to here, remember, you might feel like you're sinking and drowning. God, rescue me. There is hope. But he's showing us And he's showing them that ultimately there's no forgiveness, there's no restoration without a Savior, without God in their life. So my challenge to you is why not learn that now on the front end of your relationship, now in your relationship. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a cord of how many strands? How many? Three is not easily broken. The best relationships are are always made up of three. You, your spouse, and God. You put Christ at the center of your life and the center of your marriage. Now, you might need some counseling. You know, you you might need to get in a a marriage life group or a relationship life group. You might need some uh, Christian books on marriage. But what you and I really, really need is we need Jesus as the center of our life. And we need to be growing in our relationship with him and and our spouse. I mean, together, guys, you know, when I meet with couples, that's what I'm going to tell you. Hey, I'm going to look at the guy in the eye and say, you know what? You need Jesus, and you need to grow in your relationship with him. And I'm going to look at her, and I'm going to say, you know what? You need Jesus too, and you need to grow in your relationship with him. Why is that? Why? Well, because 
if Jesus is in you and Jesus is in your spouse, for some weird reason, Jesus always finds a way to get along with Jesus. Okay, it's, it's just the way it works. Now, you might sit in my office and you'll go, and I, I've heard this I, I, more, more times than I can count. But Pastor Chris, I just don't love him anymore. Pastor Chris, I don't love her anymore. So what? You make that sound like it's uncontrollable. Like, you know, you, you fell in a ditch or something. We just fell in love. Now we fell out of love. Listen, you've got a warped understanding of what true love is. You have bought into the world's pattern, the world's understanding of love. Love is a choice. Just like happiness is a choice. And if you will choose to love, if you will choose to love, if you will make the hard decision, even when it's difficult, even when it's painful to say, I will treat this person a certain way, the way, in fact, I want to be treated regardless of how I feel at the moment. Because right now I'm mad and I'm angry and I'm hurt. Regardless of how I feel and regardless of how they respond, even if they don't, you know, clap and, and all hugs and kissy and right there in the moment, I will treat this person a certain way. That's love. And if you choose to do that, you know what will happen? I guarantee you something. The feelings will come back. The feelings will return. It is so much easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. Because you'll give up if you're just waiting. Well, I'll wait until I feel like it. No, you won't. You won't do it. In fact, God says this. Listen to this. Because People say, well, Pastor, I, mean, I just don't have the heart for it anymore. Wow, this is so beautiful. God says in Ezekiel 11, I will give them an undivided heart. I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone. Ever been there? And give them a heart of flesh. What's he saying? I'll give you a new heart. You've got my spirit in you. You know, I don't know, and I, and I don't mean to make light of the pain that you might be in, so don't take this the wrong way. I don't know how you're feeling right now about your relationship or about your marriage. And some of you might be in a place of deep, deep hurt. Some of you might be feeling a sense of apathy or disappointment. And you might honestly feel like it's hopeless right now. Regardless of how you feel about your marriage. Let me tell you one truth. God can do what you can't do. God can do what you can't do. Matthew 19, 26 says this. Humanly speaking, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. See, the real question is, how are you looking at this relationship? From a human perspective or from God's perspective? Because God can do what we can't do. Listen, God can resurrect the dead. He can resurrect dead finances. He can resurrect uh, dead communication. He can resurrect a dead marriage. He can do what we can't do. Now, the reality is it takes two. But sometimes for a time, it's dependent on one. And then if God's going to do a miracle in your heart, he'll do it that way.
And he'll, he might possibly do it in their heart. But at the end of the day, even if they don't respond, I can guarantee you, because you did the right thing for the right reasons in the right way, you will be okay. You know, that's why if you're single, before you even date somebody, you need to make sure that you will always be their number two. That God is always number one in their life. And they need to know that up front about you. You know, on the front side of the relationship, make the decision to put God at the center of your life. And some of you, I know you're well into this relationship, and you're wondering, well, did I, did I marry the right person? Is this marriage even going to last? And I just want you to know something. It's never too late to invite God to be at the center of this relationship. You know, why not make that decision today? I want to pray today as we close. I want to pray for, for each of us today as we live out this decision. Because the first step in making God the center of your relationship is to make sure that he is the center of your life. You know, it, it's, it really is, I don't know, sad and sometimes... I don't understand how people think this way where they want to pray God's blessing on certain areas of their life. God, you know, I pray, you know, I pray for my children. I pray for my finances. I pray for my marriage. And yet you're not willing to put God first in those areas. He, he's, you're not willing to put him at the center of your life. Listen, that's where it starts. And if you will open up your life to God, you will have a power that is not your own, a strength that is not yours because your love and my love, it does run out. It's not enough. So this morning I want to pray. And maybe, maybe today's your day where you ask and invite God to be the center of your life. And you ask him to be the center of your relationships. So bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you that, I thank you that there really is a purpose for our lives. You know, we're in this series, Happily Ever After. The truth is, God, you, you have a plan and a purpose for our lives and for our relationships. And it's not a happiness as the world knows and thinks, because I think the world thinks that we're going to get together with our Prince Charming or our princess and never have any problems or issues or difficulties. And that's not the truth. But that's where you come in, Father. You're able to do what this world cannot do. You're able to raise the dead. You're able to raise a dead relationship. You're able to give us a strength and a power that's not our own. And I thank you for that, Father. That's that's true uh, peace and joy and purpose. And that's a blessed, happy life that this world doesn't understand. You know, maybe you're here this morning and uh, you're ready to make God the center of your, of your relationships. But you realize the truth is he's really not the center of your life. Start there, right now, right here. What are you waiting on? Just cry out to him. He is so ready for you to come home. He is wanting to forgive you. He's wanting to be that perfect, loving, heavenly father that you've never had, but you've always wanted and more. 
just cry out to him right now and say, Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me. I want to come home. I believe. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to this earth and that he lived that perfect life. And he gave up his life. He sacrificed himself for me on a cross. And three days later, he rose from the dead and he is alive. Father, thank you. I put my trust and my hope in him and him alone. And from this day forward, I ask Jesus to be my Savior, my Lord, the center of my very being and existence. And God, here's the deal. Today, I humbly ask you not only to be the center of my life, but I need you to be the center of this relationship. The truth is we've gotten off track and we have pushed you out of our lives, out of our marriage, out of this relationship. And we've done things our way, our plan. Today we need your help. We need your hope. We need your power. Today I'm going to take responsibility for my problem in this, this relationship. I'm going to stop affixing blame. Today I'm going to make a commitment, a recommitment to go through the tunnel of chaos, to climb that mountain uh, together. I'm going to make the choice to love, regardless of how I feel, regardless of how they respond. And Father, I'm going to seek for you to be the center of this relationship and to be my source of power. I love you, Father. We love you today. God, I pray for our church. May we be a church that offers people help and hope in the area of relationships. Father, I know there's people here today who feel like maybe they've blown it and they feel scarred and they feel shame. I pray today, God, they, they know that that doesn't come from you. You know, we're, we're all forgiven sinners. That's all we are. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We've all made mistakes in relationships. And today is a new day. We love you, Father. We, we pray all these things today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.